right. Good morning, everybody. Again, welcome. Welcome. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Uh, welcome to this time of studying the Word of God together and uh, spending some time here just letting God speak to us through His Word. It's, it's a neat Sunday with being Father's Day, uh, but hopefully there's something that God has to say for all of us, whether we're fathers or not fathers or non-fathers or to be fathers or whatever you are. So uh, we're just glad that you're here today. So we want to welcome you again in the Lord's name. We want to welcome Paul and Deborah if they are watching, right? So everybody, yeah, right? Okay. And uh, we, do, we do want to let you know, Paul, that uh, Nathan is here at church this morning. Just <laughs> And that's good to see, and, and so far, so good. So, so we hope that you're having a good time. Look forward to having you come back. And uh, yeah, so happy Father's Day to everybody. So I'd like to, uh, let's see, everybody who has had a father, would you please stand? <laughs> come on. <laughs> Some of you I'm wondering about. <laughs> Okay, wow, we have a whole row over here that is questionable. Uh huh. So everybody who is not a father, please sit down. Okay, now some of you are rising up. <laughs> so look around to those who are still standing and let's praise the Lord and give them a good appreciation. Amen. And to God, who is our Father. Thank you, guys. Have a seat. So, uh, and to God, who is our Father. We uh, appreciate Him. And so, uh, in Africa, they like to give appreciation like this. And that's how they say, I appreciate you. And we appreciate you. We appreciate God being our Father. Amen? And, and we worship Him. So, we're thankful for this day that we can focus on this. And so I'm thankful for Jason's comments to, to sort of complement and introduce some thoughts for us and give us a framework. But we want to really say Happy Father's Day. So uh, this is a picture, and a picture of a long time ago of my father, who is now uh, 96. Uh, this is an early picture of him when he was barely 18 and had joined the Air Force in World War II. And he became a tail gunner on a B-17 and flew 35 missions. As I said, he's still living in Indiana right now, and I'm very thankful for him. Uh, if it weren't for him, I would not be here today speaking to you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm thankful for my three sons, who are also fathers for their grandsons, so if any of you are watching, uh, shout out to you today as well. Happy Father's Day. And again, to all of you dads, every single one here, and, and perhaps some dads-to-be one day as well. To all of you who are spiritual fathers, spiritual fathers, which is as important, if not more important, sometimes in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. And we appreciate you as well. So the topic of our study this morning is someone go get dad. And so I'd like to raise this question. Will someone please go get dad? 
And we like to use our passage to start off with from Nehemiah in the Old Testament, chapter 8. So if you have your copy of the scriptures or on your phone or whatever you have there, Nehemiah chapter 8. This is a wonderful passage from the Old Testament. Uh, it's, it's a passage of the first recorded revival in the Bible. And so we want to read that here in a minute. And, and I'm thankful that I have a, a larger pulpit up here. Did you notice that today? It's because I have so many notes. And it's because Paul said I could take an extra couple hours. <laughs> Nehemiah 8. Are you there? And we're going to invite you to stand as we read the Word of God this morning. So would you please stand? <clears throat> this is God's Word. Verse 1. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. Interesting term. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded to Israel. So the book of the law was most likely the first five books, the Pentateuch, the Torah of the Old Testament. Verse 2. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. So notice that phrase, men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. And beside him on his right stood, and then we have this list of names, these now, on his right, uh, six guys, and on his left, I think seven or so. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce all those to you. You can study those tonight before you go to bed. <laughs> and then we'll have a quiz next week, Jason. <laughs> Verse 5, Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Then the Levites, and again we have a list of Levites, a special, you know, the tribe that was responsible for the spiritual things in Israel. The Levites there instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. In verse 8, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. That was verse 8. And so that was the beginning of that day. It continued on. Jump down to verse 13. It says, on the second day of the month, the heads of all the families. Who are the heads of the families? Probably the men, the fathers the heads of the families, along with all the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra, the teacher, to give attention to the words of the law. Powerful. The rest of the chapter goes on, and the chapter concludes the last verse. It says this. Day after day, from the first day to the last, 
Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly, most likely a solemn assembly, as the Old Testament talks about. What a great passage this is, isn't it? What a great challenge it is. The first recorded revival of the Old Testament and something that we very much need today in our world and in our country. And so all God's people said, Amen. amen. And amen. And be seated. Thank you. So we want to talk for a few minutes today about this question. Will somebody, will somebody please go get dad? Somebody please go get dad. So what does a father mean to you if you're a father? What does it mean to me as a father? I'm reading a, a little article from Jonathan Green is his name. He says, what being a father means to me, and underneath it says, in short, everything. <laughs> I think that's a great answer. In short, everything. He said, there is nothing that I ever needed out of life than to be a father. I wanted to play in the NBA. I wanted to be a rap star. I wanted a lot of things out of life, but I needed to be a father. I was created to be a father, and there has not been one day that I haven't appreciated this gift. Not everybody is a father physically, but if we are in, the God, in God's family, if we know Jesus Christ, every one of us can be a spiritual father in the kingdom of God. And we need to be a father. Every single man, here and everywhere. Anybody say amen to that? So this passage is a, is a strange passage, you might say, for Father's Day, because it's basically a passage that is written for Christians who have been away from God and now are coming back. In the Old Testament, the people of God, Israel, they had been away from God, but now they're coming back, but they've been spoiled. And so the passage is a teaching on how to return to God. How can they return to God? How can I? So I, I hope that you're not offended by me giving this, this message to you today. In fact, I hope that you would be offended if I didn't give you this message today because it's from Nehemiah chapter 8. So God's chosen people had been called by God to be a witness against idolatry. It almost sounds like our country. <laughs> but too often, they would put God on the back burner and they became idolaters themselves. And so at a point in time, God said, enough is enough. I'm sending you to Babylon, the southern kingdom. Off to Babylon they went for 70 years. But now they're coming back. A group of them came back. Praise the Lord there. And they came back repudiating idolatry, which is good news. So they've been back in the land at this point about 90 years. The temple has been built now about 70 years. Nehemiah has just come and he's rebuilt the wall. And so here we are in Nehemiah chapter 8 because it's time to come back home. Once they were close, then they were far, but now they want to be close. How can we sing the Lord's songs when we're in a foreign land? The psalmist asks. And the answer is, you can't. 
you can't. When I'm in a foreign land, I'm not going to be singing the songs of the Lord. I've got to come back home. And so now that's where they are. Once far from God, now they're coming back close to God. And so this is a great passage, and, and most of us are familiar with it. But I just like to think of it as a great revival and just listing the, the very basic things that you can read there. It's pretty simple. Verse 1, uh, don't you love it? They ask for the word of God. These people ask for the word of God. Wow, what a refreshing blessing that is. Verse 2, whole families attended. Did you notice that? The men and women and all of the kids that were old enough to understand. And then verse 3 is astonishing. They were at attention, whatever it meant from daybreak to noon, whatever that was there, you know, maybe four or five hours, I don't know. But they were at attention for that length of time. Woo! Hallelujah for that. Uh, you know, sometimes an hour and a half is a little, you know, it's ready to get going, right? Okay, then, and verse 4 is neat. Teachers and teachers and teachers. So we don't know exactly how that looked, but it was, there was a lot of teachers up there. And so these people probably, they, the reading was in Hebrew, the scrolls, the Hebrew books. Uh, and so a lot of them had been away for 70 years. They came back. So they were a little rusty on their Hebrew probably. So they needed somebody, you know, some instruction, someone to help teach and explain and maybe do a little interpreting of that to the people, but there were a lot of them there. Praise the Lord. Verse 5, they had a reverence for the word of God as we, you know, we stand and we, we praise. Uh, verse 6, a lot of prayer and praise, and, but especially, mainly, uh, you know, primarily, verses 7 and 8, they explained the Bible, the Bible that they had at that time. They explained it to them. So it was a revival, a revival, right? So a revival is when you put new life into something that is spoiled and decaying. It does sound like what maybe we need in America. Maybe even in many of our lives at times. Amen? So very simple, isn't it? Very, very not complicated. How do you return to God? If you want to return to God, how do you return to God? If you know Christ as your Savior and, you've, and you're away, how do you return? Number one, the Word of God was read with understanding. Number two, the people responded with obedience. Number three, great gladness was felt by the people. One of the verses in there in the passage was one of our favorites. It says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> Isn't that good? The joy of the Lord is my strength. But notice number four. Please notice that because that's where we're camping out this morning. Fathers and leaders were out front. They weren't in the back. They weren't in the middle. They were out front. They were leading. So hallelujah for that. That's pretty convicting, isn't it? Very convicting. I read about a Christian lady one time who left her church service. She was very well dressed and she said to her friend, well, I don't think he was such a great preacher. All he did was explain the Bible. <laughs> I grew up in a very Protestant liberal denomination and, and uh, so some of the pastors there believe the Bible and some of them don't believe the Bible. And, and I heard one guy say one time, well, I, you know, some of us like the Bible and some don't. I'm one who does not. 
and he thought that that was okay. So I don't know about you, on, on both of those people, you know, if I had been them, those people, I would have thought to myself, I need a service like this. I need a Nehemiah 8 service. That's what I need in my life. And that's what we need today. So are you with me on that? So this is what God maybe is saying to us. Spiritual revival is, is restoring life, isn't it? Spiritual revival, you know, from this passage is particularly, begins with the word of God, but it is led by fathers and leaders. So there's two basic things. You unleash the word of God and you release the fathers and the leaders. And that's how it happened. And that's what happened back then. So I don't want to be simplistic about it, but that, that's it. So the psalmist in, in Psalm 119 said, my soul cleaves to the dust. God, revive me according to your word. Is that a prayer on my heart and on yours? God, revive me according to your word. I need, I need that in my life. How about you? So, so here's my question. Will someone go get dad? Who will go get dad? Now, if you like the sports center, if you, if you ever watch sports center, in baseball particularly, they have this little thing they do that's called red, who's red hot and who's not? Who's red hot and not? Anybody familiar with that? Probably, yeah. Who's red hot and who's not? So usually the Yankees are in the first category. <laughs> Just kidding. Some of you are awake. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, I like to think of Nehemiah 8 as this. Red hot dads. Who's hot and who's not? Or, or the churches today, not just our church, but any church. Who's hot and who's not? Who's hot for God? So we live in a, a society today that it's really popular anymore to cancel things. So, you know, if you have a different opinion, you know, both sides, all sides get canceled out. So I'm thinking, you know, are we going to cancel dads? Are we going to cancel fathers? Are we going to cancel it? Some people want to do that, right? You're aware of that. But are we going to do that? Is there a challenge about that today, maybe, in our culture? You know, how important are dads, anyway? Anybody think they're important? You know, a couple of us, right? <laughs> There's some funny things, you know, about fathers and their kids. I read about you know, this airline passenger's nightmare uh, you know, if you ever fly on the airplane, you're, one of your nightmares is that you're going to get stuck in a seat next to a, a crying toddler <laughs> for, you know, three or four hours, right? Be honest. <laughs> and, and so this one story was that this guy was coming up to the ticket counter. He was going on the plane, and there was this little toddler over here just creaming his head off, just crying, crying, crying. And, you know, he's looking over there, looking over there. The, ticket, the guy at the ticket counter said to him, uh, you know, oh, don't worry. Chances are that baby won't be on your flight. And the guy looked at him back and he said, oh, I bet he will. That's my son. <laughs> right? <laughs> there is this connection between us as fathers and our kids. And sometimes it's for good and sometimes it's not for so good, is it? But it's connected, isn't it? So how important are fathers? Anybody here ever heard of Irma Bombeck? 
One of my favorite authors, she's uh, passed away now, but wrote a lot of humorous things, but some of her material was humorous, but very serious. This is one, it's one of my favorites, if you don't mind me sharing it with you. On this occasion, on Father's Day, it's called Daddy Doll Under the Bed. Daddy Doll Under the Bed. And it goes like this. When I was a little kid, a father was like the light in the refrigerator. Every house had one, but no one really knew what either of them did once the door was shut. My dad left the house every morning and always seemed glad to see everyone again at night. He opened the jar of pickles when no one else at home could. He was the only one in the house who wasn't afraid to go into the basement by himself. <laughs> he cut himself shaving, but no one kissed it or got excited about it. It was understood that whenever it rained, he got the car and brought it around to the door. When anyone was sick, he went out to get the prescription filled. He kept busy enough, he set mousetraps. <laughs> he cut back the roses. He oiled my roller skates, and they went faster. And when I got my bike, he ran alongside me for at least a 1,000 miles until I got the hang of it. He signed all my report cards. He took a lot of pictures, but was never in them. He tightened up mother's sagging clothesline every week or so. I was afraid of everyone else's father, but not my own. Once I made him some tea. It was only sugar water, but he sat on a small chair and he said it was delicious. He looked very uncomfortable. <laughs> Once I went fishing with him. I threw rocks into the water and he, he threatened to throw me in after them. I wasn't sure he wouldn't, so I looked him in the eye for a whole year. I finally decided he was bluffing and I threw in one more. He was a bad poker player. Whenever I played house, the mother doll had a lot to do. I never knew what to do with a daddy doll. So I had him say, I'm going off to work now, and I threw him under the bed. <laughs> when I was nine years old, my father didn't get up one morning and go to work. He went to the hospital, and he died the next day. There were a lot of people in the house who brought all kinds of good food and cakes. We never had so much company before. I went to my room and I felt under the bed for the father doll. When I found him, I dusted him off and put him on my bed. He never did anything. I didn't know his leaving would hurt so much. It still does. It still does. And it does to us, too, doesn't it? Because fathers are important. And God loves fathers, and he loves you if you're a father. It's interesting to me that some of the studies have been done and in Christian circles have verified this, some of these things. One study in particular was interesting. They studied how the effect was when people in a family came to know Christ. What was the effect on the rest of the family? They found out if a teenage son came to know Jesus Christ, then there was about a 16% chance that the whole rest of the family would come to Christ. 16%. They found out that if a mom came to know Jesus Christ as her savior, then there was about a 31% that the whole rest of the family would come to Christ. And listen to this. 
when they studied fathers, they found out that if father comes to Christ, there's a 93% chance that the whole family will come to Christ. Now, I don't know how they came up with those statistics, but it is interesting to me. And I think that it does verify and confirm things that we can find in God's word about the importance of being a father. Amen? So I don't know what's going on today, but I think God maybe is asking, uh, do we have some red-hot dads? Who's hot and who's not? And what are we going to do about it? And so God has a plan. He's got a strategy, and it's not, not anything brand new or unusual to us. You're, you're very familiar with it. His strategy, his game plan, is, is pretty simple. There are three parts. How, how, is he, how does God want to address this need? So number one, we find in the New Testament that older, mature believers are God's tool to disciple younger ones. And 2 Timothy 2.2 says... Paul writes to Timothy, the things that you've heard from me, that you saw in me, I'm committing them to you so that you will be able to teach others also. And so the older to the younger, amen? And so, you know, everybody here is older than somebody, right? (laughs) And probably most of us are younger than somebody. So anyway, that's step one in God's plan Number two, in the New Testament, we're told that God has given us godly, manly elders and pastors as a disciple-making model or tool. Ephesians 4, he gave some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of what? Of the body of Christ. So that's, that's in his strategy, in his game plan, that's number two. This is how God is addressing this need. So that, that's what we're for, you know, that's what we're, so we're not talking about being legalistic, we're not talking about being uh, perfectionistic as leaders, but we're talking about being a catalyst, a catalystic, if you will, to the body of Christ, so that that can happen. Make sense? Make sense? Amen? And then the third step in his strategy, God has given us godly homes as a disciple-making tool. That's the third step. Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's, that's God's plan. So it's not that hard. It's great. So, you know, one person wrote, the measure of a man is not just what he does on Sunday, but rather who he is Monday through Saturday. That is convicting, <laughs> Spiritual revival comes from the Word of God when it is seen and felt and heard often by dads. Physical dads or spiritual dads. And that's what we want to do. So, you know, I, I don't want to embarrass anybody up here, but, but, some, but I, I do want to embarrass Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Since you had four daughters up here uh, that you paid. (laughs) No, you know, I'm still getting to know Brad, and I appreciate Brad a lot. It's not, it's very clear to me, you know, getting to know Brad, that how often Brad talks about his dad. 
He talks about his dad a lot. He talks about his dad's example, his influence, his teaching. He just talks about his dad a lot. And, and Brad, it, it shows. By God's grace, it shows in your life. And I don't know any father here, definitely not me, who would not like to be thought of the way Brad thinks of his dad. Amen. And what a challenge. And so this is God's plan. This is how it works. So as a church, Riverside, we, you know, we want to, like any evangelical church, we want to say to God's people, men, men, we want to teach you. Men, we want to be an example to you if we can. Men, we want to encourage you. And men, we want to expect you to do these things that we're talking about. Amen? Amen? And so that's, I think that's the challenge. So um, let me tell you about a modern-day revival that's going on right now in our country right now with men. And, and maybe some of you already know it, but down in Louisiana, there's a prison that is called Angola Prison. Anybody heard of this? The Malachi men, Malachi men, and, and it's a group of men. So Angola Prison had a horrific reputation, murders and rapes and all kinds. It was the worst uh, penitentiary in our country for many years until God came. And in the middle 90s, God showed up there and through a series of events and a warden there, and, and people, those men started coming to know Christ. And they started coming to know Christ in, in multitudes in this prison. And it was a revival. It was a, an awakening. And these guys, most of them there for the rest of their life, separated from their families. But they wanted to learn to be fathers. And so they became Malachi dads, taken from the last verse of the Old Testament, where the prophecy was that in the last days, God was going to send the prophet Elijah, who would come before the great day of the Lord, and he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons, to the children. So that may be physical to physical fathers and to physical children, or maybe spiritual fathers to spiritual children. You can take it either way, maybe both. But that was the prophecy. And after that prophecy came, there was 400 years of silence. God didn't speak for 400 years until the New Testament and John the Baptist came and then the Lord Jesus Christ came and God spoke again through his son. But Malachi dads, it's a super thing. They, they have a seminary. They have a Bible school within the prison. They have churches with pastors who are prisoners who, who have been trained to be pastors in the prison. They are sending they are having some of their leaders at request to be transferred to another prison so that they can be sent to another prison and start Malachi dads there. It's amazing. They're in prison. But they're not because they have Jesus. And their message to us sitting here on Sunday morning, not in prison, is whatever prison you're in, Jesus Christ can give you freedom. Malachi dads. I love it, right? So you can check that out on the website if, you, if you're interested. We have a group of guys that until last year would go down there every year. And uh, my friend Rick would often go, you know, and they just keep you there forever. But no, 
uh, they let you come home. Amen, 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 right? So how, how are we doing here? Um, so what's our assignment? What's our homework? I don't know how you feel, but uh, I heard a guy say the other day, I, ha- I don't feel like I've done a good job with this, being a dad. So I don't know if you guys ever feel that way, but I do. I do. And, and God just wants to say to you, that's okay. Don't get discouraged. And whatever you do, don't quit. Don't quit. Maybe you've got some kids that are prodigals. Some of us can understand that. So whatever you do, don't quit. Don't give up. Maybe you don't have any physical kids. And all you have are the spiritual opportunities of relationships around. And God would say, don't get discouraged. Don't quit. Keep at it. You see, God has an assignment for us. And one of the best passages in the Bible is the one that most of us are so familiar with. It's from Deuteronomy 6. And I'm not going to go through this in detail, but would encourage us to restudy it, reread it, repray it, right? Deuteronomy 6. Your most urgent assignment is to raise children to love and obey Jesus Christ. If you're a dad, your most urgent plan is to teach the Word of God to your family and church and neighbors. If you're a dad, your most urgent help is for you to have a deep, close, personal relationship with your kids. If you're a dad, you've heard this many times. You know how kids spell love? You've heard this? T-I-M-E. That's how they spell love. And the last one, your most urgent need, my most urgent need, is to be teachable and learning Christ myself. That's all from Deuteronomy 6 with a New Testament application to the Old Testament passage. The best way to teach character is to have it around the house. Isn't that good? I didn't say that. Somebody else did. Don't you like D. Duke? Those of you? (laughs) Yeah, I was just going through some of his stuff and, and just pulling out some of that. And just amazing. He gave, you know, probably one of the famous, the most liked part of what he taught us was the one he gave on bear killers. Bear killers, right guys? Bear killers. He, he said, God created men to find a cave with a bear, kill the bear, and live in the cave. And so he created us to find a cave with a bear and kill that bear and live in the cave. And he's talking about the challenges and the obstacles in our lives to overcome. Not to shrink back, not to run away, but to go for it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said this, God wants strong men. He he needs strong men who will accomplish a lot with their life that matters for all eternity. And so that's what God would be saying to us today. Does this make sense? So I'm wondering, will someone go find dad? Someone, go find dad. 
I think revival can be thought of is when the transforming power of God's word fills my heart and overflows into my family's life. That's not all there is to it, but that's, you know, there's a lot to it right there. It has to fill my heart. It's in my heart, my home, and my habits. Heart, home, habits. Deuteronomy 6, really clear. And that's what God wants. So that's who's hot. And that's who's not. And so where am I? And where are you? So let me close with this. Uh, there, there's this illustration that, I, that really means a lot to me that I like to share sometimes. I, so if you've heard it before, I apologize. But uh, we have three sons. So one of our sons, uh, when he was three years old, had an interesting experience. <laughs> so he was three years old, and he, he went out in the backyard to play with a dog. We had a dog, a cocker spaniel named Buffy. And he, he was out there in the backyard, and we wanted to go somewhere. And so I went out to get him. And when I went out there, he was gone. He was gone, and the dog was gone. And the gate was open. That's not a good sign for a little three-year-old kid who doesn't know a lot of boundaries. <laughs> and he was gone. So I started yelling, you know, yelling for him, no, nothing. No response at all, nothing. Just yelling, couldn't find him at all. We, we all got, we're starting to panic. We're starting to get upset. We're starting to, we've been praying, you know, God, help us. We lived at the edge of town in Kansas at that time. Huge wheat fields all around, you know, tractors and equipment all around. A lot of dangerous things for a little kid who was about that high there. And we couldn't find him. And time went on. We couldn't find him. And the fire department of the town came out started helping, the police department showed up and they started helping, the friends and neighbors, we had a mob of people looking and calling and nobody could find him. We were really beginning to despair, I think, at that point, and I got a phone call. And I, I picked up the phone, it was a lady that we knew from our church who lived on the other side of town, on the other side of town. And she said to me, she said, Dave, uh, did you lose a son? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I sure did. She said, well, I looked out my window, and I saw this little boy uh, bending over through the fence, walking out into the pasture with his dog. And I said to her, that's him. Go get him <laughs> as fast as you can. And so she did, and she went out and she got him, and she brought him back to us, and it was glorious, and we had a great time. It was so great to have him back. You know, we were rejoicing. We were thanking God. Everybody was there. The local newspaper editors and photographers were there. They took a picture of him there for the local newspaper, standing there, this little kid with his dog on a leash. It was so cute. I still have the picture. And, and everybody was happy, and, and I, looked at Dan, I looked at Dan, our son, and I looked at him, and, and he was just over there, just sort of taking it in, smiling. And I thought, oh, there, there's something going on here. So I took, took Dan aside over here, and I said, Dan, I, I need to tell you something. What you did was wrong, and I never want you to do this again. And the reason, Dan, that everybody is so happy right now 
is not because you ran away, but it's because you came back home. And I want you to never forget that. And that's what I told him. And I think it's worked so far, right? <laughs> but it was a big lesson. And here's what I get out of that and what I thought. A lot of us guys here, myself included, were just like my son. There's a little boy inside of us. And if we had our way, we'd just grab that dog, we'd open the gate, and we'd go for a stroll. And we would walk all over town. And we would just have a great old time while our family is back at the house, worried, sick, and praying and calling for us. Come home. Come home. And praise God, while we're out there, one day Jesus Christ finds us. And we come to our senses. And what do we do? We come home. And brothers and sisters, when we come home, people are ecstatic. The angels are glorifying God. God is full of joy. And he's sharing that with us. And our prayers are answered. But we are all so happy and joyful, not because we ran away, but why? Because we came back home. So guys, especially men, this can, this can be men or women, but guys, especially, where are you today? Where am I? Are you home or not? Are you out strolling around? If we talk to your wife or your kids, what would they say? When they say, where's dad? Where's dad? Maybe today's the day to come home. To come home to Jesus Christ. To come home to your family. To come home to your kids. Come home to your church and your community. Jesus is just saying, come home. You know what? None of us does this the right way. And I sure don't. But that doesn't matter. Don't let that matter. It's not what has happened in the past. It's what's happening right now and what will happen in the future that counts. And the motto of the Malachi dads in Angola prison is this. It said, we will change the ending. We're going to change the ending. And that's what God's message is to you and me. We can't change the beginning at this point because it's already happened. But we can change the ending by the power of God through the Holy Spirit and God's great grace to us, which we need so much. Amen? Amen. So God bless you guys with this. Happy Father's Day. If you're here and you've never found Christ and Christ never found you, then, then that's the first step. The scriptures say the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but has everlasting life. Believe that he died and paid for your sins so that you have eternal life as a gift. Believe it. Receive it. Accept it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's the first step. And once you're in, once we're in,
Praise God we're in. And God loves us so much. He's not going to let us go and give up on us. To God be the glory. Amen. Hey, thank you for your attention. I, I didn't go the two hours. And I know you're sad. So, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for these fathers, Lord. Thank you that you love us. God, you love us in spite of ourselves. Father, this morning, we would pray for a revival in our country and that it would start with us as dads. Lord, would you go and find dad and bring him home. In Jesus' name, amen.